Perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands, and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Hey, everyone. I am so excited today to have John Roman here with me. He's the CEO of Battlebox, which is honestly one of the most loved subscription brands um, ever. They're, uh, they recently um, they recently were acquired, which we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, it's not just Battlebox, though. It's Carnivore Club, and they've got a few other, other brands in there. They've launched a series on Netflix, uh, which we'll dive into a little bit. He's really had an amazing journey. Uh, he's also honestly one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. I just got to know him recently. Uh, one of those people that really just likes to help others and share information. And while well, that's that's really why I was excited to get to get him on our show. John, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Jay. I'm excited to be here. So speaking of your Netflix series, I actually um, I, I didn't know that it you had it recently and I, I was uh, doing a little bit of Googling the other day and I watched, I just started watching it. It's, it's awesome. Like I, I, I love, I just watched uh, episode two um, with the glass breaking tools. And it's funny because the, the tool, okay. So the, the series is called Southern survival. Uh, definitely everyone listening should check it out. It, it's, it's kind of um, a blend between um, yeah, it's like Mythbusters with a little bit of a duck dynasty flair to it. <laughs> It's got it's yeah, uh, I think that that's that's literally how I how I describe it to people. It's it's Mythbusters. Oh, okay. There we, okay, I wasn't sure if you'd be offended if I <laughs> it's like awesome. I love it. And that maybe that's why I like it so much. I don't know. But uh that glass piece, so for breaking the car glass, the little hammer, I actually and the one that broke when when they were trying it on the window and fell apart and they're like, This is crap. I have one of those in my truck. So I'm gonna throw throw that out right away and uh well maybe I should find whatever battle boxes uh, that one's in. Shoot, uh, shoot me your address and uh, I'll, I'll send you one of them. Wait, okay. Um, cause, uh, cause the one I have is the, gar- is the garbage one. I'll tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> uh, man, it was, it was a little bit of a process. So we, so Brandon Curran, um, who is the, is the face of our brand is the one in all the videos. So he um, came on board about a month after we started I apologize, about a year after we started. And then let me backtrack and do some some math. Okay, so the show aired in 2020, <laughs> which meant we aired it, which we shot it in 2019. Okay, so in late 2017, the um, High Noon Entertainment to production house, uh, Cake Boss and Fixer Upper. Yeah, 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 yeah. To the feathers in their caps of... Uh, shows they've they've done they they reached out wanted to jump on a call talk through the the concept the idea they they saw brandon's videos and they were just like us a big fan of brandon so they wanted to figure out if there was anything there for a show so we jump on with them they had um kind of received a green light to uh to shoot some sizzle sizzle reels which i guess is the thing that comes before a pilot. Um, mm. So, you know, Netflix has kind of changed, changed the game with, you know, full seasons and, and mm-hmm. really changed the way all that behave, you know, back years ago, you used to see a pilot on TV and sometimes that's all you saw because they hadn't shot the yeah. rest. So yeah. the, the concept was we're going to, we want to shoot the sizzle reel and get, get money to shoot a pilot. And uh, the conversations they were having were with History Channel at the time. So they came, um, they shot shot a sizzle reel. Uh, I was I was actually in the 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 sizzle reel. I ended up not being in the show for for a bunch of reasons, but did the sizzle <laughs> reel? Not your gig? Just not yeah, just not my thing. Um, <laughs> their their concept of my character uh, was possibly going to cause internal um issues which oh, just okay weren't, weren't a good <laughs> yeah, idea worth it. Um, so they they shot that and then put it in the hands of history channel and history channel sat on it for like six seven months and hmm. finally, finally just said no and uh so we were a little like 
you know, we were so excited about it and kind of let down at that moment. But they, High Noon was like, look, we're going to talk to other people. We really like this. We think this has has legs on it. So they, they start talking to Discovery Channel and we're excited again and Discovery Channel's reviewing it. And they sit on it for six, seven months and mm. uh, they, they, they say no. So at this point, we're at the end of 2018 going into 2019 and uh we touch base with high noon so it's been over a year at this point uh and they're like hey we're going to set up some meetings this month we're going to meet with walmart uh for walmart streaming service which not sure if they're even doing it anymore i know they were trying um i can't remember the name of it if it does exist but they yeah were gonna i remember that too i don't think they are yeah, they might have just folded. I'm not sure, honestly. If if it's still around, I feel bad because clearly they're failing at it. Um, <laughs> but so they're going to meet with Walmart and they're going to meet with Netflix, and you know they're going to pitch both of them. And we're excited again. The uh, from what I understand, the meeting with with Walmart went well. Then they meet with Netflix and they basically leave the Netflix meeting. And it's 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 a green light. Netflix and, and Netflix doesn't play the here's some mo- money for a pilot. Uh, they said, okay, we'll we'll do a season. Uh, we want you know the rights to seven seasons, and we let's go. Um, and we're like, wow, okay. And then honestly, within a few weeks, we had a a giant contract, like 60, 70 pages from them, that uh was was the agreement we were like oh i guess we have to find like an entertainment lawyer at this point so we uh <laughs> we found we found an entertainment lawyer that came recommended here in atlanta and uh we took it to them they redlined it we had more calls we redlined more stuff and uh we sent it over to netflix all proud that we got this you know through this document <laughs> and they they replied and said oh well Sorry for you know any misunderstanding or or uh, improperly set expectations. There is no redlining process. This is the agreement. <laughs> so wow. no, okay. Um, what 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 were some of the things that you didn't feel comfortable with, like or like this um, is a standard agreement they send to every every yeah, so anyone it's, producing it's, content. Yeah, it's really geared towards the 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 parts that we weren't super comfortable with were the fact that we were just clearly viewed as talent and at the Mm -hmm. end of the day we are a business and you know we are a business first even we might lead with content as a company but at the end of the day we're a business and uh it was just very very talent driven you know we're if we if if we have an event for marketing that you need to come to um we'll give you 48 hour notice um to figure it out. And at the end of the day, we have mission critical things in the business that have to take precedent over anything else. So it was a, it was just a little bit of a, not super comfortable only being treated as talent and uh, to foreshadow some, they, they wouldn't ever even talk to me because I wasn't on the show. Um, Mm. So Daniel, Daniel, my uh, uh, old business partner that, you know, found, came up with the idea uh, he, he would literally like forward or they, they'd send an email saying, Hey, you know, let's meet Tuesday at four. And he'd reply back to it and like copy me in and copy Patrick or, uh, other partner and be like, you know, looping in, looping in the guys and they'd reply back and remove us. Um, hmm. it was wow. just very, it was just, Interesting. we were always just treated, we were talent and that's, yeah. Because they're so large, like the people that would understand, you know, that were a business as well, just weren't a a part of a part of the conversation. So, uh, signed it. They, they came, we filmed, uh, second half of 2019 was filming. They came back in January of 2020 to, uh, get some additional shots, uh, just to, you know, close up some continuity for the episodes, um, then radio silence. We know nothing at all. February, March, April, hear nothing. 
And then at the end of April, Netflix reached out and said, hey, we're going to um, release this July 4th weekend. And it's called Southern Survival. And um, you can't talk about it. Um, we're going to give you some information two weeks out uh, that you can start promoting it. A bunch of sizzle, sizzle a bunch of teaser, teaser videos mm -hmm. and teaser uh, creatives. So we're like, okay. Um, and then we, so, you know, we're mid pandemic, so we're super excited. Yeah. This, this is a great, this is great timing for, you know, outdoor survival gear. This is perfect. And then the reality of um, the, the George Floyd situation incident right. happened. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, even though we were in a pandemic, there was, um, you know, protests and, you know, all of a sudden the title Southern Survival, while completely innocent, is, yeah. is, is maybe not, not the right, um, you know, extremely uh, very patriotic uh, show. So then we went through mm. this phase of like, well, what do we do? And, you know, at this point, we had been given the green light of Southern survival. So we're manufacturing Southern survival gear. We're going all in uh, with, with our cash and our profit and just rolling it in to be ready for this and, yeah. and, and not being able to, you know, forecast too intelligently because nobody's ever had a, yes, there's been duck dynasties and shows like that, that were episodic, uh, an episode a week, a slow build, um, not this whole full season, you can watch it all right away. So uh, a, a company with a show at a full where you where it all drops at once, like it there's there's no use case or case study on what type of uplift to expect, um, how much mm -hmm. product we should we should order, what's gonna be the conversion yeah. rate on traffic. We're just we're making educated guesses. Um and so we had manufactured all this stuff at this point that has Southern survival written on it. So we're just in a bad spot. Like, what do we do? Like if, if we have to change the name, you know, obviously we'll change the name. It's not even our choice, but like, what do we do about all this product? Um, yeah. Netflix, are you gonna, you gonna it's, buy it from us? And uh, well, I, how, yeah. How does the mechanics of that work? Sorry, this might be my, like a silly question, but I, so Netflix acquires content there. They, it's a, like, it's a product. Right. They buy the rights to the content. Yeah. You're, you produced it or did Netflix produce it? Um, so high noon, high noon entertainment produced it. The high noon. Okay. So now they have the rights to, to it for, you said seven years. Yeah, correct. But, but you're, but you, do you have cr creative control? for yeah. like the next seasons and, and products, or is it like they control the general um, theme you've control yeah, of they, the products that are tested and. Yeah. So yeah, they, they, for Southern survival, they, they have, they're, they're, they're just the decision maker. They're the authority. Um, okay. we, we are not, and we, we don't, we don't have rights. So if they wanted to make a bunch of, um, you know, shirts with like photos from the show or something like that. Like it, that's, that's them. Um, uh, interesting. Anything, we, yeah. anything we have to do, we would have to get approval. So like us running, running videos from, um, you know, parts of parts of the show, like we had to get, go in, you know, send that over to them to Netflix for approval. It's very much theirs. And mm -hmm. we're just, we're just talent at the end of the day. But do you say you control the products that are tested on the show? Yeah. So they, they leaned on us for, you know, what these, what, what should, what should the products be? Right. Yeah. Um, and then they would build, build around that. They had some ideas. It is, it is TV. So some of the items like the glass breaker stuff, a hundred percent, but like some of the items are items that would never make their way in a battle box for, for typically for, for price reasons. Right. We're also not, yeah, actually flipping flipping trucks. Um, you right. know, some stuff that's <laughs> made for made for TV. 
I, I, the lines are getting like, as I, as I was watching it and there's other shows too, but it's, it's kind of still early, but this, like the, the blurring between e-commerce and, and media, um, you know, I, I, when I, as I'm watching it, I'm, I'm thinking like, how long is it going to be until Netflix, you know, allows purchasing within their player to some capacity? Um, and maybe that's a channel just like, just like Google shopping or Facebook shopping, maybe it's Netflix shopping maybe. And then that's part of the rights that, you know, you have the rights to be the only supplier or it becomes a bidding process. Like any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the future. Um, and you're right. The, the blurring is, is just, it's, it's happening and it's, it's really, it's kind of cool to see it, It's so when like one of my hot buttons and things that, you know, you always ask like, well, what are you, what are you losing sleep over? What can't you stop thinking about? It's, it's this, you know, I, I pride that we really truly battle box leads with these two pillars, right? And it's content and community. And mm -hmm. the content is exactly what it sounds like. You know, we're at this point doing two TikToks a day, a reels, a YouTube mm -hmm. shorts, um, obviously all the usual suspects like Facebook and Instagram with traditional posts, but you know, we're content, 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 uh, a few long forms a month that, you know, typically just go to YouTube, uh, Facebook too, but you know, content, content, content. And then with that though, comes the community piece and, you know, for community, for us, it's really two parts. There's the, the customer community, which, you know, we have the members only group, which you know, I was in there on Friday, like interacting and talking and asking what all of our customers were doing this next week or the weekend. So there's that part, but then there's just this, this other community we've built on TikTok, where it's, you see a lot of the same people just commenting and asking questions and it, you know, the whole ecosystem of community is, is so important and it's, it, it's, it's paramount and it's, it's the reason we're successful but we were a business first right and yeah. then what you're seeing now with you know the nelk boys and and mr beast um they built the content and community and now they're building the businesses which yeah. is is kind of crazy i mean mr beast launch, launches a chocolate bar and <laughs> uh because of his content and the community he's built he's all of a sudden nationwide in Walmart immediately. Yeah. Right. Like something that a traditional merchant um, would dream of and would have to go through all of these hoops. And, you know, you look at uh, Nelk Boys with their Full Send podcast, and now they've they built this community and, and somehow they've launched Happy Dad, which is uh, um, the, I guess, uh, not White Claw, but whatever they're called. The Yeah. Yeah. Yeah alcoholic spike spike spritz, soda spritz, spritzer yeah yeah okay um but it, it's it's really really cool um that they're that they're doing it and they're doing it the reverse way that we did but i think they're mm. doing the reverse way for the same reason that, that you just stated like e-commerce and media and commerce in general are all just blending together and yeah i'm shocked netflix hasn't launched some sort of shopping right you look at YouTube announced, um, we're in there. Uh, we have this YouTube Shopify integration where um, we can go on YouTube live now and do live shopping. Um, and like, then you see, like you're, go ahead. You're not, you're not giving Netflix, there's no royalties you owe them for anyone that purchases one of those glass breakers from your store. No. That's, that's your own, no. that's your yeah, own business. So our, product, our product, right. And a lot yeah. of this stuff, we're not even, we're not even the, um, you know, we didn't make it right. It's not our product. Right. It's, it's a vendor that we chose because we thought it was quality. Um, so no, so there's nothing like that. Thank goodness. But, um, well, you, you think especially like, yeah, well, and especially like in a platform that has no commercials and you think, you know, Netflix is, um, I don't know, last couple of quarters, like their, their, their v subscribers have been slightly down and they're looking for ways to tighten the belt a little bit without introducing commercials like that, that they're, they're on platforms like technology is now exists for 
I actually, I think a lot about Amazon prime, like they, they seem even perfectly fit for it because they're built on top of the world's largest e-commerce marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> so to have, you know, like, you know, when you pause a show on Amazon prime and you can see all the actors and everyone in that scene to see the product in that sh- scene and then just go, you know, use one buy one click buy. <laughs> like if you're logged in, yeah. you're logged into your Amazon account, your Amazon it yeah. has your credit card and address. Jay, I hadn't thought about that, but like, they're the ones that are there. It's, they already have it. They just have to connect it. Um, totally. Like they already have the it'll, perfect platform. It'll happen. <laughs> well, we'll look, we'll look back at this podcast in a few years and we'll say, Hey John, remember when we were talking about, oh yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. we were ahead of our time. So um, no, it's going to happen for sure. Started doing live shopping now. Yeah. Yeah. So, Which I mean, I've heard it has mixed mixed results, um, but it's early, right? So it's gonna it's gonna get perfected. It's gonna get better, um, but it, it it's just the way video video converts. Like there's so every, all the data points, and whenever you introduce video into that sales funnel and that's or that customer journey, um, it just the what the effects it has on conversion is is drastic. Yeah, it's I, interesting live live shopping in general that. You know, everybody is, and we're obviously still in its infancy here in in North America. But you, you know, everybody that's very, very bull on live shopping references how big it is in China, right? It's yes, it's this yeah, huge, huge, huge subsect of of ecom there. And will it, I don't know if it'll. It's not catching on at the speed that that the 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 experts thought it would, um, and maybe it won't. Because you're you're seeing like, you know, your example of of Amazon, it, the initial um, response hasn't been great. You look at uh, us as an example with YouTube. We were we had our call with our Shopify rep, and they said, "Hey, you know, the announcement of this integration, we've already you're on a short list of accounts that have already been pre-approved to go and and start." And this mm-hmm. was this was. 60 days ago and we we had an internal call and we said okay well um let's watch a couple of these other brands go first and let's pick up some learnings from them and that way when we go we're you know a step ahead and we're 60 days in and and we haven't seen any Hmm. no one's doing interesting Um, there's definitely some adoption issues in in north america with with it and i don't know if if maybe that's just part of it and eventually it'll catch fire or if it'll just maybe it's definitely going to be a part of our future live shopping, but it might just end up not being as big of as big as it is in China. Yeah, I think it, it well, it's like anything when it, when something gets rolled out, it different markets are different too. Like if we're not, we don't use social media the same way and, and that, that, that they do in China. And so it we're you're building on top of a infrastructure that is different. It's inherently yeah. different. And um, I don't know the exact stat, but it's something like 90% of media is consumed on phones in China. It's not yet that way in America, but like it's getting there. So maybe we're yeah. just a little bit behind. I don't know. I'd sure. like to go back yeah. actually to the community um, community uh, conversation a little bit um, because this, I, I heard a quote recently that someone said um, in the future, all the successful e-commerce brands will be content creators and, and community builders. Those will be the successful e-commerce brands. Um, it's not about like, you know, when the barrier to entry becomes so low and you know, you're on Shopify, you, you, you can have a store up and running in from breakfast till dinner, um, yeah. and be selling like it's, it's that easy. You can, you don't need it like getting a, a payment gateway set up. I, I started selling online in 1998. I remember having to sign to get a merchant account, just to be able to charge a credit card. I had to um, guarantee my personal, uh, all my net worth. <laughs> like I, it was yeah. a 60 day process to be able to charge a credit card. Anyways, I could go on about all these challenges, but Shopify has done a good job of removing the barrier to entry. So when that barrier to entry becomes zero, which is, which is a good thing, um, there's still going to be winners and there's still going to be losers just because the barrier of entry is so low. It doesn't mean everyone, they're not all going to be successful. So the ones that now are um, 
I, and, and this I think comes to the, the community aspect and the content. Um, what are some things you've learned uh, getting community and content right? Like I'm sure you've blundered and made some mistakes and found out some things that work. Then maybe let's hone in on the community piece. Um, what, what, what have you got right around community? So the, the, the interaction, the engagement, we've, we've always made it a priority, whether it was on ads or posts, we, we always engaged and, and, and interacted. Um, and mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things we did, and it's, 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 at a, it's had iterations, we, we launched in a short order uh, battleboxforum.com, and we pushed it mm-hmm. to our customers. We pushed it in. Um, we weren't doing content like we do now, but any sort of content we did, we, we reminded people of it. It was in the little card that was in the box. And it, it, it wasn't a, you didn't have to be a Battlebox customer to join it. It was just connecting, you know, like-minded people that like to go outdoors or, um, you know, wanted survival gear or camping gear. And we, we, we built that and pushed it and it was, it was agnostic. It didn't matter if you were a Battlebox customer or not. And, uh, we, 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 you know, it was very Reddit style, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was just, we, we, we built it in conjunction with Battlebox, not as, you know, a Battlebox piece. And, and that was the mm. focus and that organically um, grew. And I, I think when you're building community, you have to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's not serving just some agenda. And I think if you genuinely build it in that, in that view, you're, you're setting yourself up for the, the best chance of success. Like don't, you don't, you don't make a Facebook group for your company so you can, so you can uh, make a post every day about why everybody should sign up for your service. Yeah. Like, like give them, give them something that's actually valuable. That's has nothing to do with, with, you know, your product. You can't, you can't yeah. make it about your product. And then that's why, you know, the, the Mr. Beast and the Nelk boys, for example, why they, why they're having success, right? They, they didn't, they, they built the community first. Before, um, even, before there was even a product. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other, other learnings is, you know, you have to be, um, you have to be really almost bleeding edge following what's, what's working with content, right? So you saw, mm. um, you saw TikTok, and so we we joined. We were I thought we were late to the game with TikTok, so we started I guess uh, February of twenty twenty one. Like we had the account, but we weren't really doing anything with it, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. started pushing pushing hard in February twenty twenty one. And I mean, it was it was lots of learnings, lots of failures. I, uh, so I have a, a, a blog that I do a really poor job of writing often on, but <laughs> I, when I do, right, I, I wrote a couple kind of updates through the journey and, you know, we were having some small successes, but, you know, they weren't too noteworthy and it was a lot of learnings and a lot of failures. So I, I love that I at least like wrote about it as we were going through it, but it took us a solid year before TikTok really popped and we were really quick to like, you know, listen to the street, listen to what everyone was saying, what was working for other people. And we quickly found out that uh, Meta and, uh, and Google were, were, you know, a little nervous about TikTok and TikTok was Mm kind of, they were afraid they were going to steal their launch. And all of a sudden Meta and Google made changes to their algorithm where uh, Instagram reels and YouTube shorts uh, their version of TikTok were yeah. that type of content was treated as if it was golden, way better than, um, you know, a picture uh, on yeah. Instagram or a actual long form, traditional horizontally shot video. And as soon as we heard that and saw that, well, we had been pushing content vertically uh, on TikTok for a year. So we had a lot of content mm. and we just started you know, dumping it, not with the TikTok logo. Um, it was video that we had uploaded that we had made and then yeah. uploaded to TikTok. Um, and just repurposing it for those channels. And when we did that, 
Um, so YouTube, I think we were at, we were on a slow build of about maybe four to 5,000 new subscribers on YouTube a year. And it was just a slow build. Mm-hmm. We were up to 50, we had an initial pop, we were up to like 55K at the time. So it was just very slow. We're adding, you know, four, 400 new subs a month. And we started dropping that, the, the, the vertical content because we had heard that that was a thing. And, uh, and we had all this content, we started dropping it. We went up, we got up to, we started doing that at the beginning of the year. And, uh, I think we're at like, we just passed 500,000 subs, um, this month. So Amazing. all of a sudden, while we were grabbing four or 5,000 a year, we've, we've yeah. added 450,000 this year. So it's, so what's, um, what's your, what's the main, what's the number one is TikTok the number one or is now so, YouTube passed it? So they, they, they battle. Um, so okay. at any given month, if we're, if we're looking at our post-purchase survey, for example, on, yeah. you know, how to first hear about us, that's, they, they battle back and forth right now. Google's YouTube is, uh, YouTube's our number one source and TikTok hmm. is number two, but they'll, you know, we could put out a good piece of content on one of them before the other, and it could flip flop tomorrow. Interesting. But Facebook, Facebook, What's been... Facebook and Instagram are like, I think fifth and sixth for us now, which is crazy because for years they were like a commanding one and two. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. The, the, it's, I mean, and I, I think you're smart, like your approach of just try things when they come out, you don't know if they're going to stick. They may or may not, but get, get in the game, um, get some content out there and see if it works. And, if it does 10 X down on it, if it doesn't move on to the next, but I think 100%. Um, it's uh so what would you say? Um, well, actually I got a couple of questions on the social media side of things. Well, I guess one, um, I, I was, I was curious about this. Um, I help a, a lot of brands in different spaces and I know in like in the space you're in, you've got outdoor supplies, there's, there's knives, there's different things. Have you run into challenges with, with paid advertising on these platforms and how have you navigated that? Yeah. So, um, oh man, the, uh, it's been, it's been a nightmare. Um, it's not anymore, Hmm. but it was, was a nightmare for years. So, so we started off, you know, in 2015 with some Facebook ads, right? That's all we were running. We didn't know any better. Um, we, we were seeing success and that's where we were going. You looked at, um, any given time and like 99% of our traffic was probably, you know, analytics, UTM, Facebook. Um, wow. and that's just, it was working. We, we didn't know any better. Um, it was, it was naivety and we went to, we went into labor day of the first year and, uh, we had this big sale it was the biggest sale we had ever done before. We were so excited. It was Friday at five o'clock. We get an email that our uh, account's been not like an ad turned off, like our account had been canceled. Hmm. And, and because of like, because of um, so some of our boxes occasionally include a knife, and yeah, uh, yeah. so that was that was the reason. And we got super lucky. We jumped on the Battle Box forum, and one of the one of the members of of this community we built worked in Facebook oh, at the, no uh, yeah, listen to this. And he was, his department, uh, area where he sat was like one room over from the compliance. Oh, Dude, he, he literally went over there. Now this didn't happen. We didn't talk to him, I think until like Tuesday of the following week and we were desperate. So we posted in, in our group, he talked to them and they had it on within, within hours after he spoke to him, we were going to go. But at wow. that point, we were like, it's okay. good, good luck getting a hold of someone there. Otherwise, like, yeah, you have, it's insane. And and we, we, we still spend a lot with them, but like we were spending a lot with them and you would think you could have like a, a normal conversation. It's such a challenge. No. Nope. So yeah, obviously at that moment, when we got back, we said, okay, clearly Facebook's important, but we need to diversify um, yeah. ASAP. And, you know, we, we, we know what we're doing but there's people that know how to do it a lot better. So if that was the first point we, we brought on an advertising agency and said, okay, where else, what should we do? Help us. Um, and 
in the long run, it probably was a blessing under in, in disguise. Right. I'm assuming 100, 100%. We like, we made some business rules after that. Like, yes, there's going to be ads that can scale and, um, that's, that's great. But like in the short term, it's acceptable, but like long-term looking at periods of time, like we really don't want any lead source of ours to be greater than a six because yeah. when it is that it starts to become problematic. And uh, you're too dependent on that source. So we got back up and running. Um, at the beginning of the next year, we got kicked off again. And we didn't get back. We, we never, we, we, we just didn't get back. Um, so you're still, you're not doing paid ads on Facebook right now? So we are. Um, so Battlebox, the, the, the Facebook account, the Facebook page that, has the blue check that has all of our, our likes and follows um can't is, ever is not able to, it, yeah that's so funny so, i yeah i know my my brother has an archery target company he sells archery targets and it just like he his his account um also was was banned from facebook because because there was a bow i mean it's an olympic sport archery yeah. but you can't have a bow in an ad you can have the target in an ad, but not the bow. And so exactly the same thing, his Facebook account, like not his personal one, but the company's account, same thing, but he can still run ads through another Facebook account running ads for that site. It's, uh, I'm told it's usually a competitor reporting your ad, but I don't know for sure, but I've been told that that's generally like, like, yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Facebook doesn't go out of their way to, to ban people. It's they, they lose money when they do it. But if you get enough competitors reporting an ad saying this ad is offensive or something like that, then they just, maybe they don't have enough people to check every single one. If there's enough complaints, then they, then they shut it down. So I I don't know how true that is, but that's what I was told. Um, it's just interesting. So I was we, curious how you navigated that because it's I, I've heard this come up for for many brands who are in a completely legitimate space, um, but it's like like what you're going through. Yeah, so we we ended up um, at that point creating secondary and tertiary Facebook yeah. accounts. Um, we actually got a hold our agency at the time who we were using had a rep, and you know agencies are able to actually communicate pretty regularly with with facebook they typically have an account manager that isn't isn't a new hire that you're only going to have for three months the um we uh so we spoke with them and what we did is we built um these these secondary and tertiary pages this was our second iteration this is not where we're at today but if the traffic we would we put utm parameters in all of our ads and if the traffic was originating from Facebook or Instagram, we had logic on our site that completely scrubbed and made the experience as PG as possible. We changed words, oh. we changed images. It was just a diff- it was a different experience if if you originated from uh, Facebook or Instagram. Now, if you went there afterwards directly, you saw you saw the real site. So. We, we ran this by, by Facebook, the Facebook account manager. They looked at it. They said everything was fine. We were good. We spun up ads. We were off to the races, and, and that lasted for about nine months. And then out of, out of the blue, all of those accounts got canceled. We got, huh. um, yeah, we, we got terminated, and we were back, back to the drawing board. We were off, so we were off no no Facebook, Instagram for I think three months. And we at this point we built these headless uh, microsites. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we we they were we made we made it where it was templatized. We could spin one up with a domain, a Facebook page, um, and an mm-hmm. ad account. Everything everything we needed um, within a matter of. Uh, I don't know, probably 30 minutes dra- dragging and dropping the imagery that we needed. So it was like a, almost like a web builder and it would, it would build this headless, um, yep. site that then connected, you know, to Shopify for the, for the backend. Yeah. For the yeah. Card. yeah. Just, 
And huh. we did that. And um, off to the races again, good to go. We we switched agencies, uh, unrelated reason. And the new agency um, had a really good, and that's our, it's our actual, our current agency. They have a really good relationship with their Facebook rep. We jumped on a call because at the end of the day, we're still having to run these traf- this traffic to these microsites, which is it works, but it's not ideal, right? We're not getting them yeah. to our domain. Um, yeah. When we were when we were putting them on our domain, uh, trying to run ads to our domain, they would Facebook wouldn't even allow us to run ads on our domain. So we finally spoke to them and got them to remove whatever this uh, red flag or um, thing they had put on our account that wouldn't even, they had like almost blacklisted the domain, but we talked Jeez. to them and this is like in the last, this is about a year ago and they, they, they removed that. So now we can run ads to our domain again, which is great. Um, but I mean, for five years, five years, we couldn't, couldn't run ads to our domain, which is it's tough. It's tough for growth when, uh, when yeah. it's such a hindrance. Well, when I asked you that question, I didn't think this was going to be the the answer. I was expecting some, yeah, I mean, some challenges, but that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, no, well, no problem. No, no problems anywhere else. TikTok will, yeah. uh, you know, they'll, they'll kill because we, we also follow the rules to a T yeah. we're overly cautious with it. Um, we're, we're in firm understanding of all, all platforms terms and what they are. And we, we follow them. So the other platforms are all different though. Like occasionally an ad will get like caught up and we just shoot them a note and within, you know, a, a hour to a day, they've turned it back on, they've apologized and we move on. But yeah, for yeah, years, crazy. Well, what have, problem. So given all these challenges, what have been some other ways that you've, that you've grown, like, or that you've grown, have you leveraged marketplaces or like influencer, um, Maybe let's talk yeah. about marketplaces. Have you done anything there or what, what have been some other growth channels for you? So one of the things in our initial strategy, and it, it's actually how, how we found Brandon um, indirectly is uh, we send, I think at this point, we probably send about 50 a month. Back then we were probably sending 25 just off the jump boxes to uh, YouTubers, influencers, um, anybody mm. that's, that's putting out content. So mm. in a given month now, like, you know, our, uh, last battle box mission 92 dropped, uh, people started receiving it about two weeks ago. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden there's dozens on dozens of reviews on YouTube and dozens of reviews elsewhere. Yeah. So that was a big, a big part of our strategy and continues to be is, is getting it out there. Um, we invest a lot of time and resources in SEO. Um, so we have multiple articles that are, that are being published on our site. Um, we're, you know, working with an SEO agency for, for, uh, articles about us, you know, elsewhere on the interwebs. It's, it's a constant, it's a constant piece, but honestly, for the last few years, content and, and, yeah. and putting out content that's just, it's organic and uh, isn't salesy for the most part, yeah. but it does get them to our site and then they do opt in for email. And, you know, at that point, we're going to be able to reprospect them and we're going to then be able to send them offers. But a lot of the, uh, a big chunk of, of our business is, is, is done through, you know, I guess you would classify it as, as word of mouth, but it's, it's via, via content. You you do sell also on Amazon? Am I correct or not? We do. So it- so initially, we um we were when we first started with them, we only were doing the um their their Amazon subscription, Amazon subscribe. Yeah. Which uh, and then and then we ended up um doing more, and it's so we do FBA. Um, and it, I think we probably have a, we have a decent, decent amount of one time, one time offerings there. Um, but it's not a very large channel for us. It's, so um, are you just out of curiosity, are you, do you 
are you pushing it at all or do you just feel that you need it there in case someone searches for battle box on amazon yeah it's the latter it's it's, it's a defensive move um yeah i mean don't it, it's it's a it's a decent sized part of the business i mean annually i don't know maybe 450 500,000 but to the big grand scheme of things that's that's not that's not much and so it's not yeah. It's a very, very, very small part of the business, but yeah, you're right. It's just it's more defensive, right? So defensive, yeah, yeah. Like FBA, which if you're not FBA, FBM can still kind of get the buy box sometimes, but it's it's if you do FBA, your you're, storage fees are like thirty two, thirty three percent coming off the top. It's tough. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, just a few brands. So liquid death is one of the brands that we, we worked with for years for subscriptions. And then I noticed, um, I noticed one day on their site, you could still subscribe. They use Shopify as well, but I think a case, I don't know if you know, do you know liquid death? Yeah. Yeah. They've kind of become super, they, they only launched in 2019, but they just recently were got investment. They were valued at 700 million. It's basically, um, mineral water in a can that looks like a beer can, but they, their, their marketing is, is genius. But anyways, they, they were selling a case of water on subscription for $17.99 a case. And then they had a button underneath that said, or subscribe on Amazon for $14.99 a case, which right, it might have been 15, but it was like three bucks less than buying direct from their site, which I thought made no sense because they're also paying the Amazon 15% marketplace fee and whatever. Yeah. Um, FBA fees and whatever else. Um, but the, but it was actually very deliberate and their goal was to, uh, funnel all their traffic to Amazon and then become the number one, um, mineral water. So purchased on Amazon now. So right now, actually, if you go on Amazon and you search mineral water, it's like they have position like one, one, two, three, and four. And wow. now it's a now it's a snowball effect, because they hold those positions, they just get more and more. Um, but it was it was an investment, like sending them there and losing the three dollars per case they saw as an investment to to grab the land, and now they're now they're holding the land. It's it it's just interesting. I'm 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 following. I'm paying attention a lot. Like you look at brands that start, you know, there's a lot to be said for direct to consumer, but you know you used to see. Um, it was the opposite. Brands would kind of try to go direct to consumer. Now we're seeing brands start direct to consumer. And then now it's how do they get into stores like dude wipes, um, liquid IV, um, hint water. You look at all these other ones that are like fantastic D to C brands. Um, but then their play is to end up getting into distribution channels. So I was curious if there was like a longer term strategy there, maybe with Amazon. No. So a hundred percent, um, a couple of thoughts. One. So, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a brand called CrossNet. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Chris Chris actually was on the podcast. Oh, okay, cool. So, Chris Mead, one um, of the founders. Yeah, yeah. So so I was I was chatting with Chris, and he was telling me that they were, at the, at the time, I don't know if they're still doing this, but this was a few months back, they were running their Facebook ads to not their site, but to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably and- for similar similar reasons similar reasons but also um the amazon's such a trusted uh source to consumers these days he was saying the cap was so substantially better running the ad to amazon that it still made sense financially to pay the you know the the amazon fees that it was still a better deal at the end of the bot at the end of the day to the bottom line because the conversion rate was so much better on Amazon versus their site, which was kind of mind blowing to me. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that too. I didn't even that, but the, the prime factor, right. It's the trust, which Shopify now is, is trying to kind of get in there as well too, with yeah. the shop promise. And shop I mean, pay. it's the same shop pay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah they, so it's interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. I'm just gonna say it's it's an interesting strategy. Like I I've always been. There's no. It's not like I've never kind of bought into the rhetoric. Like it's Amazon is evil and D2C is bad. I think they both have their place. They just need to be used 
the right way and not get used because you also don't want all your eggs in the Amazon basket because they can, they can, um, that can be just as dangerous too. But if used properly and once you've built your brand and you have a defensible brand, then you can potentially leverage marketplaces. A hundred percent. So, so back to answer your question though, um, it's funny you were talking about, you know, starting on e-com and getting to retail. That's, that was, that's been one of our, our hot buttons of, and, and focuses is, is how do Mm. we crack? How do we, how do we get in retail? What retail is the right fit? So for us, um, because there's a perceived value around our brand, um, and we've seen some other brands in, in our space, the outdoor space that are in Walmart. And then when we feature them in, in our box, our consumers are like, oh, it's just a cheap Walmart brand. So, you know, we're a little cognizant of uh, mm. being strategic with what retail makes sense. Is it a, is it a Academy sports? Is it a, you know, is it a, a Dick's or Cabela's and, and thinking, thinking through that. And, and, and we're trying, it's, it's a little bit of a process. I've been trying to pick uh, the brains of people that have already been there and had success, you know, going from D to C to, to, to retail, yeah. traditional retail. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, you know, you, you, you say, okay, how, how do we become a hundred million dollar company or a $200 million company? And for us to, to get to that next step, at, at this time, I think, I think retail almost has to, has to have a place in that, in that journey to accomplish that and, and get to the next, the next stepping stool, if you will. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's tough. And there's different ways to, it's not necessarily the box, but it might, I, I mean, that was one of the questions I wanted to talk, ask about was like, what, um, like the brand battle box, um, you're, I, I, I feel like your, your brand is ultimately more important than the contents in the box. And eventually, you know, especially with, you know, the show on Netflix and the community and you're doing a lot of things like really right. And now when battle box maybe potentially launches, um, certain products or like you, you, once you have that brand, then, then you have the power to maybe enter into retail. And I think, I, I feel like you're, I feel like you do, but, um, that's just my observation, but, um, it's an interesting challenge because I do think that as much as I love subscription boxes too, like, you know, we, we've gone through the craze in, you know, seven years ago when they kind of like boomed and now they're, now there's, they're doing, they're doing fine. There's nothing wrong with subscription boxes, but there is, it's not like when, when you launched subscription boxes, I know I heard your story. You said like there was, there was just no other survival subscription box there was yeah your, your, co- yeah. your co-founder saw birch box but but now right. you can pretty much find a subscription box for everything almost <laughs> so yeah, so, um, so what's that next phase right that's the that's the challenge yeah and i think it uh i i think you know we're going full circle and it to to what we said earlier in the conversation and it's it's this it's this blurred lines of media and and ecom mm. yeah and yep. you know uh is 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 the future of battle box the, the box isn't going anywhere don't get me wrong but is it is it a more content driven is it membership is it is it is is the subscription piece is there is there more to it than just the box right is there you know people talk about memberships all the time but you know we there might be a fit for us there and it might be revolved around uh content it's yeah, it's definitely yeah. A, a changing landscape really quickly, and I think yeah. if uh, I think what the the quote you said, I think I think that's accurate. The consumer, the consumer is changing their their buying patterns mm-hmm. and their decision making when it comes to purchases. So it's yeah, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I want to before we run out of time here. I want to one last topic I want to dive into because I, I I would I, I'm super curious. Um, Battlebox was acquired, I guess, almost one year ago now, right? Or probably yeah, is the one, anniversary. Yeah, one year ago, uh, one year ago, twelve days ago. Amazing. Well, con- congratulations on your <laughs> one year anniversary. I guess of that. Um, yeah. I'm I'm curious because I know we we have a lot of subscription brands listening. Um, 
going through that process, um, what were some of the takeaways that like, okay, so first of all, maybe what were some of the most important metrics um, that, uh, that the acquirers looked at um, to kind of determine maybe the health of, of, of BattleBox and um, what were some of the things they stood out for? Ultimately, what I'm hoping to get at is like what people listening can, um, what they can focus on. Like, what, so what are, what are, what were key metrics that they looked at to determine BattleBox was a great company to acquire? Yeah, Jay, it's exactly what you think that it would be, right? It's, it's AOV, it's churn, it's LTV, um, all the metrics that, that we all talk about that are important. They, they, yep. they asked about them, they wanted to see them and they asked about them seven different ways. Yeah. Um, they wanted to see the data. They wanted to have a, it was a, it was a 900, they, they pulled a bunch of customer data to run their own analysis um, and not just trust the platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a 900 megabyte file. They kept crack. The guy <laughs> that was doing it, crashing his computer. Um, and he was screen sharing and it, it hurt to watch, but um. <laughs> because it's just a big giant data file, but ultimately they were, they, they pulled the data and they, they did their own analysis to see, okay, is this the LTV? Is this church? Yeah. Is this the church percentage? Um, and it, all the metrics that everybody says matter, they, they truly matter. Um, so, you know, any, any tools to, to, or things you can do to increase that, um, you know, there's obviously a plethora of best practices. Yeah. That can be did you followed. did you on your site right now you have the four different um i forget the names of them there's like the basic the intermediate you have four yeah. different pr- four price points right four tiers did did you have that before the acquisition or was that introduced after how long have you had those four tiers no so we we the the cool thing about the acquisition is we've made um zero changes to how the, the business operates okay um, so that's been around for a while yeah, so we launched we launched with that. It's funny. So when oh, we launched, okay. we had the same four tiers we have now. The funny thing about it is that when we when they were created, we with one hundred percent certainty placing a bet, the the basic box, it was twenty five when we launched. Um, but we were very, very, very confident that was gonna be the most popular. And mm-hmm. the the pro plus it was one fifty when we launched. Um we were like, okay, some people might might go for that. Um, that's the the pro plus. That's forty one percent of our base is in that. That's the that's what everybody wants, which is just it was kind of mind blowing. Um, you know, the little bit of learnings we had at the time in twenty fifteen when it came to subscription. You know, using the birch boxes of the world is kind of like the the pace car of learnings was you know, low price point is where it's at that, that $15 yeah. a month. Um, and we, we, our hypothesis was 100% incorrect and it was the, the high priced one. Interesting. Well, the reason, so the reason I ask is, um, what, one of the metrics that, um, is in, in SAS, so like in a company like bold, like we have re- recurring revenue, but it's for software, but similar, similar concept. Um, net dollar retention is really important as a metric. And what that is, is, um, when you get a user or a customer, do they become more valuable over time? So having a path where a customer is a $19 customer to start, you, you, you have, it seems like an upgrade path. Um, it could also just be individual add-ons. Are there like monthly, I know you have a lot of one-time products people can buy, but, um, how much of a, did, did they look at that or was that a factor? No, surprising, surprisingly, they didn't. Um, interesting. Which is, which is interesting. Now we did, we, we, we do have a path towards upgrading and, and we do have data that shows that um, customers that come in at the lower tiers over time yeah. through a, a, just a couple, just stuff that we do. Like we include the, the insert, shows them also what they are, our tiers stack. So if you get the basic, you get these items, but if you get the pro plus, you get all the items for the basic advance and pro, right? Um, yeah. so, you know, including the insert that shows them what they missed and a few other things. Um, we see that mm. through time, the data shows that they customers do upgrade, but no, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a drill down at all. And I, I, I come from the, the SAS world. So it was, uh, 
it, it was it's it's something I'm cognizant of, and it's it it wasn't even it wasn't discussed. It was it was the high level metrics, and and of course like outside of that margin, right? Yeah. Um, you have yeah, to have for you sure. have to have a margin. If you if yeah. you have um a a bad margin, it's that it just means it's you know they can only pay so much of a multiplier off off even yeah. you know that's a that's I guess a big difference too, right? The valuation model totally for a company versus versus a, a physical product is significantly different. Yeah. Well, it's interesting just like if you have a good enough upgrade path, you can get to a point where you actually have negative churn um, because even though you're losing right. customers, your existing customers and Shopify, they're a good example of this. I, I don't know if like this last quarter, if they posted negative churn, but many earnings calls, their, their, their net churn is actually negative because so even though they lose merchants, their existing merchants are either upgrading Shopify plans or Shopify is making more off of them because of the transaction fees and other um, other ways they make money from merchants. But their net, it was negative. So they're actually it's and, and I was wondering right. if you might be in a situation like that because of it seems like you have a very healthy upgrade path, um, which like I preach this all the time. And I, I when I saw your your different options and how I was, I was curious the strategy to move them up. Um, do you, do you know if you're, if your net churn is negative we, or is that something you, we, you haven't? Oh, kept so, it? so, so we, we look, we don't, we don't have a, a tool right now. We have to actually just jump into the data. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did look um, prior to the acquisition. We did look at that and, and we, we, we are, or we were, I would assume we still are, That's... but it's, we, we thought that that would for sure be like, something we could say and they would dig in and they would look and yeah. it would be a conversation. Um, but it, but it, it wasn't, I mean, they were like, Oh, that's great. That's cool. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a dig in. Maybe, maybe because it, you were in such a healthy state, they maybe didn't want to highlight it. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's a negotiating point. If you, if your net dollar retention is really healthy, I, you know, maybe they, could have paid more. I don't, I, I'm, I'm assuming whatever you got was fair, yeah. but like maybe that was, that was a, a strategic thing not to dig into it because it was good. Um, I mean, so why, bottom, why point that out? I, yeah. I mean, they're at, at the end of the day, they're financial, they're yeah, finance exactly. guys, right? So like, um, we're already coming to the, uh, to the negotiation with, with a hand behind our, uh, back. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is there any advice? Oh, go uh, ahead. I was like, one, one other thing that uh talking about you know the process of 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 if you want to be acquired if if you want that to be your next step few things that you know we had to change fairly quickly so when we decided hey we want to be acquired it wasn't our original um goal when we launched the company um but mm -hmm. when we decided a couple years in that we wanted to uh it took us quite a while to get our house in order and even when we thought it was in order yeah it truly wasn't um that's a, so, that's a grueling process you know, yeah like so you have to have you know at least 12 months uh you're trolling 12 months need to need to tell the right story um you have to you know obviously we be at least if you know not necessarily if you're a SaaS company but like for for a traditional uh physical product like yeah. us you know you want to have some profitability since that ultimately is going to be the baseline for a multiplier um ours was a multiplier of EBITDA so of course that's important but you know a big thing and we weren't prepared for this because we didn't know any better even after we we brought in our CFO and he cleaned us up and got us in you know the right plugged all the holes up in the ship and we had a you know a, a nice story and a great trolling 12 month at the end of the day um we had never gone through a financial audit before and we had to we had to complete mm. one. Um, we had to find find a firm and complete one prior. And there were a lot of nuances, just crazy things we had never thought of that seemed crazy to us. Now they're standard, but like you know, Shopify. We have a renewal, and Shopify tells us this much money, and you know, within two two days we have that money. And we were counting that if it happened in October, we were counting it in October. We didn't know that we had to do deferred revenue right. and we couldn't count stuff until <laughs> as revenue until it actually ships like stuff we definitely weren't doing because we just 
we didn't know any better. Um, so th that was a that was a little bit of a grueling process. The the audit took probably entirely way longer than anybody thought it would. Um, yeah. So I, I would almost say if, if you're at a size where um, you're you're trying to be acquired and you've gone through, you've already cleaned house and, and you believe you're in working order, you're going to have to get an audit anyway. Um, so it might not be a bad move to go ahead and get one and have audited financials. Yeah, couldn't agree more. We, we, we started doing that years ago at Bold, self-auditing every year. And it's just been, right. um, and it's, uh, yeah, for transactions like this, but it's also just a healthy, a healthy thing a to do action. because yeah, yeah. Ra better you do it than it could be an investor. It could be the government. It could be anything. So yeah, it's, uh, oh man, yeah. it was, it was a grueling process to have, have the third party come in and do it. And we hadn't, to your point, we hadn't been doing it ourselves. So it was. It was quite the process. Well, John, this has been uh, honestly such a fun conversation. I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but uh, <laughs> I want to wrap this up at some point here. I've got a bunch of episodes of uh, Southern Survival to go watch, so I'm going to have to let you go. Uh, All right. <laughs> where, um, where, where, what social media platforms are you active on? Where can people follow you? Um, LinkedIn, honestly, is probably. Um, the best place, but I'm, okay. I'm, I'm everywhere. Uh, I'll make sure to LinkedIn put the links in the show notes as well. Instagram. Yeah. And Twitter are like, I'll, I'll drop business stuff. Facebook. I keep purely just, uh, just friends. <laughs> um, just, just for the, the grandmas and grandpas that are on Facebook, man, do you remember when, when it was, uh, when that wasn't the case? It's crazy I, I literally only post stuff for my mom on Facebook. That's what, Oh, she's yeah. probably going to listen to this now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. You bet. All right. Have a good one. Bye. That's it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week. 